Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Aha! Done! Back of the net. Monkey tennis? In no way, you big spastic eventualist! Damn! Don't know how the noise. Monkey tennis? I got, uh... Really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism. More distance between the eggs and the bean. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're a fucking... Basically, beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please? Hello again, friends. Back so soon. Welcome to our Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. There's a shuttlecock up there. Nick Alder. John. John Baskell. And Tom Stab. Clickety-clack, clickety-clack, clickety-clack. So we had so much feedback about uh, this time in general and specifically about the second episode that we wanted to round it up in a feedback episode. Uh, we thought if we lumped it in with all of our thoughts about episode two, you might never get on with your lives. So here we go. A brief mini episode of your feedback. Uh, I wanted to start with a, uh, a professional writer. Uh, Camilla Long reviewed episode one in The Times last Sunday. Uh, I thought it was interesting because she's quite scathing about the show. Uh, but when I read it, I found I couldn't entirely disagree, even though I do love the show. 
Uh, so to quote her now, uh, she said, everyone is Alan Partridge now. There are partridges on our screens, partridges in our government. There's even a big orange partridge running America. It's perfectly acceptable to behave like partridge even, especially on serious political shows, to bait women or defend your homophobia, to demand that taxi drivers wear uniforms or that the circle line be made a circle again. Those last two aren't even partridge jokes, by the way. They were at one point UKIP manifesto pledges because in the same way Maidley is now naturally much funnier than Partridge, real life is now more appalling and ghastly than Partridge could ever hope to be. He's become the sanest man in the room and that makes this new series seem tired and old. Uh, I wondered the group's thoughts on that take on Partridge. I think it's a very interesting point. Yeah, I I understand where she's coming from, but then also you've just got to, you've got to suspend disbelief when it comes to Partridge. <laughs> so like, I understand what she means, but it's just, I mean, ultimately it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And Par- Partridge is not in the white house. Like I think it's important to remember that Alan isn't malicious. He might be somewhat ignorant, but I don't believe his views to be malicious. I would actually argue he used to be a lot more malicious than the character we see now. I'm growing to like, the Alan we're seeing in this time a lot more than the Alan we've seen in I'm Alan Partridge, for example. He was yeah, a bit I more, think... bit more malicious, a bit monstrous and grotesque at times. Whereas now, I mean, it's it's it kind of does back up the point to a way. Like now, he that thing about him being the saner person in the room is quite an interesting development. I think as well, her 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 premise is that Partridge only works as a, as a grotesque evil character. I think she's not crediting the character with being able to be funny in other ways. And I think, yeah, sure, the world is full of, you know, Partridge as we know him from Knowing Me, Knowing You, but there aren't a lot of Partridge. You know, if he, yes, in some ways, in, in episode two, he is the sanest man in the room, but it doesn't stop it being funny, I think. Hmm. Yeah, and also, I mean, I think these these are character traits that the Gibbons brothers have come out and said, um, you know, the, 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 the things that they didn't like about I'm Alan Partridge and the early Alan was the silly stuff, was the grotesqueness, was the sort of catchphrases. And they've purposefully down downgraded those. They've put them yeah. sort of low. They focused on other things more on character than on catchphrase. And obviously that kind of normalizes Alan. So yeah, Alan is a bit more normal, but like everyone has said here, it doesn't stop it being funny. Um, before we move on to some views on episode one, just a reminder of how you can get in touch if you'd like to leave feedback of your own for future episodes. Uh, it's at Monkey Tennis Pod on Instagram, at The Partridge Pod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod, The Partridge Pod at gmail.com, or The Monkey Tennis Hotline 07923 600 uh, I now throw to Tom Dark. Uh, yeah, so uh, we'll do a quick rifle through some of the viewpoints we've had from the good to the bad for uh, this time, episode one. Uh, Dan Bradish, which I think is perfect encapsulation for me, said, It's like if Knowing Me, Knowing You and Mid-Morning Matters had a wonderful baby, a modern classic. Uh, Ian Morgan said, I really enjoyed it. I was apprehensive. Uh, loved seeing Lynn. All is right with the world. Katie Roberts said, amazing. Psychic Simon accidentally swiping back to the home screen will stay with me for a long time. Uh, Michael McGarity, loved it. Refreshing with a different format. Phil Davey, close to perfection in my opinion. Uh, Robbie O'Hara, it was fine, but I thought it was like watching an aging sports champion who won't hang it up, only flashes of former glories. I think that's quite an interesting one. Uh, Paul Muggleston, not struck on the format. Maybe my expectation is too high. John Rollier writes, Psychic Simon would definitely know how to use that tech and should have needed to help Alan use it while simultaneously trying to not embarrass him live on the BBC. Other than that, 
textbook. And as we've already discussed, other people saying they didn't like the fact they recycled a joke from Nomad. So yeah, there's quite a quite a spread of reviews we've had across our socials. Uh, and I think Nick is next up, and he's going to tell us a bit about Jenny. Yes, we've had a message in from Mikey Hogarth, who writes, Stand-up surprise for me was co-host Jenny. Absolutely brilliant heel for Alan, and the banter between them was so unexpectedly awesome. It would have been so easy to be really lazy with that character and just had her being a superficial extra for Alan to play off, but instead they've crafted a really great character that nearly stole the show. Also think there's no way this doesn't end up with either a punch-up or some act of vengeance involving Lynn. They've already sowed the seeds of instant (laughs) dislike. I mean... I'm I'm happy for some kind of finale um, punch up. So fingers crossed that comes to fruition. That would, would be, be great, actually. It'd be refreshing and interesting if it's Lynn that comes a cropper, comes to blows, loses her cool in the episode and the final episode rather than Alan. Yeah, yeah. the hunter becomes the hunted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And now a section which, if you've been listening to previous uh, feedback episodes, you'll be familiar with. It's corrections. And uh, we've got a few here uh, from starting with Andy Lythe. Um, He says, uh, you were wondering if this time was the first time Alan had mentioned his granddad. Here's a quote from... Uh, Mid-Morning Matters. Uh, Years ago, my granddad John used to sit me on his knee and say, Alan, I hate the Japanese and I hate Japanese food. Um, So obviously, uh, that's uh, a previous mention of a granddad. It was actually me who said that I didn't think that there had been a mention of a granddad before. Happy to be corrected, Andy. Thank you very much. Did you Uh, enjoy the hashtag, uh, hashtag stop guessing partridge wrong as well? Well, I mean, I wasn't going to read that Probably not the first time we've had that. And then the next correction comes from Sam Tilson. He says, uh, you discussed what did Jenny have planned for the final three minutes of the show. Early on, just as Jenny introduces Alan, she says one topic they will discuss is vegetarianism. Now, Mm. if you've listened to our episode review of episode two of this time, um, you'll know that we read out these program synopses for the next two episodes, which included a section on vegetarianism. So Mm. uh, that probably wasn't what they were going to throw to in the in the three minutes that they didn't get a chance to cover also uh they say early in the show they're going to cover vegetarianism and then at one point they do cut to a vt about growing your own vegetables so i yeah. think perhaps they have covered vegetarianism and that she had something else planned for the final three minutes of the right show. yeah it's uh, a bit unclear whether that's the same thing in the way she talks about it Yep, and the final one from James is uh, we discussed on the previous episode on the uh, sorry on the review of episode one uh, whether Jenny was separated or still uh, involved with her husband, and we didn't notice there was a ring on the finger. Uh, Jenny has a ring on the ring finger of her left hand, says James. So obviously, I don't know whether she's keeping up appearances by keeping that on or whether they are actually still uh, fully married. Fully married? Is that a phrase? <laughs> it is now. Can it you be now. partially fully married? Um, <laughs> fully married. Jamie, Jamie Castle got in touch to say, uh, Lynn's comment about the red, Jenny's red top matching her lipstick is surely a throwback to her opinion slash jealousy of Jill, who was also in sporting red and red on Valentine's Day in I'm Alan Partridge. Very possible, very possible. Uh, John Ratton writes, re Simon's breath check. Uh, when AP introduces Simon in episode one, we see him briefly move his hand to his mouth. Is he nearly sick with nerves or is he checking he doesn't stink of booze, given Alan's previous <laughs> insistence that he uses alcohol prior to going on air? Uh, I don't have a definitive answer for you, John, but certainly Simon is extremely nervous and, as we know, untested on live TV. <laughs> but that, that's a great theory, though, isn't it? If they're connecting that back to Alan making him drink booze before they do the show. I love that. 
Um, and finally, from Tim, he says, uh, Hello, I thought the bit with Ruth, uh, the fixed betting terminal correspondent, was to parody people getting frustrated with problems that cannot be analysed in absolutes, which is why Alan gets annoyed. There's not a simple solution to betting terminals. Maybe he's had enough of experts. Maybe he has, Tim. Do, do, we, do we agree with that reading, though? I, I feel like... We- when we were talking about it, it's just him he's trying to get one up on her by that point I think that's more what it's well, about he's, he spilled Shandy on her she was annoyed at him <laughs> and she's taking it out on live TV yeah, and she was, and she's quite right to do that it could be a simple oh, absolutely. hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promo rate for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, we had a message in from Nigel Christian. Uh, Nigel writes, I think the writers slash producers all miss the trick. With shows like uh, with shows like this, uh, the whole floor crew of the show get involved, particularly to cover up for live on our gaffes. I just think it would have been amazing to see Alan's reaction to a crew member, co-host, or anyone laughing at something he did or said. I'm sure that would be completely new and alien to him, and he'd be completely elated. Ultimately, as his confidence builds with the backing of his peers, inevitably his downfall would be him taking things way too far with some vocalising some outrageously non-PC viewpoint or trying to compete with some other funny man to get the last laugh thoughts well my thought is that um, he wrote this after episode one and we've had Good two point, episodes yes. so <laughs> there's still four episodes to go where we still may see that happen that is, I, you know yeah. I, I, kind, I kind of agree and also there was a little bit in Know Me Knowing You there wasn't too much interaction with crew there was the occasional thing where he had a uh, um, in the final episode he had a bit of a confrontation with a producer but there wasn't a huge amount of crew versus Alan interaction was there that I can remember so I, I wonder I, if they will bring that in for this I also find the bits where that you have kind of crew voiceover and like in the run up to the start of episode one where they're like positions please and we're coming back in five four three all that kind of thing. I always find that the most fake sounding bit of any episode. It always sounds <laughs> yeah, very yeah. very forced, very clearly like recorded after the fact and, and added in in post. You know, uh, yeah, the the less believable bits I think are when you get crew but, involved. But then have you ever noticed the uh, the guy that laughs like a hyena in the background of a Sunday brunch to, to spend two weeks in a row talking about Sunday brunch? I mean, it's you do have that in shows where they deliberately coerce members of the crew to be a bit OTT with their reactions. But I don't personally, I don't feel like that's what we're going to see as this series develops. 
So next up, we have some predictions that are coming via Twitter. So first up from Gareth, um, who says, uh, poor John will die and Alan will struggle to contain his glee. I think this format is Alan's natural home and perfect fit for modern Alan. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of all made that point that the style and structure is doing something a little bit different and a bit more modern. Also, um, if we're if we're playing the game, that's a point to Gareth because uh, he predicted that uh, Paul John would die, yeah. which actually which happened. So a point to Gareth there. Although Alan, I yeah. wouldn't say Alan struggled to contain his glee. I think he was uh, he he contained it fairly well. Mm. I didn't say that <laughs> bit. <laughs> and also, wasn't it quite apparent from the outset of this series that John was going to die because that's why Alan stays in the series for six episodes? I'm not we sure we can for sure. A, I'm not sure Half we can give him a point for that. Gareth, I'm giving you half a point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up from Neil the Band, um, lands a right hook on his co-host's chin while demonstrating his tennis backhand. Very so specific. essentially advocating violence against women there. Um, <laughs> so, we, uh, so I guess that's something that we haven't seen in episode one or two, but it could happen. Mm-hmm. Violence mm-hmm. against women. Yeah. It could, it, it, could, it could happen. It could happen. Um, and then finally, again from Gareth, who says, uh, could the APU be getting a quiz show? A crap, shiny floor, daytime quiz show. It would be a perfect disaster. I mean, I guess in the same way that if John Baskell can um, host a rubbish quiz show, there's no reason why um, Alan couldn't as well. I mean, he'd be perfect for it. So this so is that, Gareth so guessing what the new show uh, that's just been announced, the next Partridge show, is likely to yes. be. That's a good point, because Alan has never ventured into, well, apart from Skirmish, which we never actually saw, he's not ventured into quiz shows before, and it could be, that format could be amazing. And I know the Gibbons have been on record to say that it's definitely not Skirmish that they're filming as well, which is a shame in a way. (laughs) I'd be keen to watch. And the Monkey Tennis Hotline has been ringing off the hook. Uh, we've picked the two best from the uh, the previous week. We're going to start off uh, with Adam, so let's hear Adam's voice uh, voice message now. Hello, Monkey Tennis. This is Adam, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I thought the second episode was fantastic, excruciating to watch at times, which is classic Partridge. I wanted to just give a a mention to the the little things that have made me laugh the most. In the first episode, it was the stairs that were slightly too large um, for him to make comfortable steps. And in this episode, it was that yellow anorak that he was wearing in the war reenactment scenes, which was hysterically funny. It was so big. Um, and when he was by the stream, you could see that Coogan had adjusted it to make it look even more massive and awkward than um, it would otherwise do. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. So there we have Adam, who, uh, who like a majority of us, uh, loved episode two. Uh, his favourite bit, uh, the giant yellow jacket, which I was also a big fan of. That got a laugh from me as well. So thank you very much, Adam, for sending that through. Um, next up, we have Sarah Bromley. Uh, so let's play in Sarah's message now. Sarah here, Partridge superfan. I'm sending you my first impressions of this time. Now, I much prefer behind-the-scenes Alan to on-screen Alan. I love seeing him going about his daily life. So I was really hoping, and kind of assumed, this series would include some behind-the-scenes stuff. But about 10 minutes into the first episode, I realised it wasn't going to. But once I accepted that, I really enjoyed the episode. I've heard a few people say it's too unbelievable that the BBC would ever hire Alan Partridge for a show like this time. But I like to tell myself that by the time they asked Alan, they were really, really desperate. They tried everyone and Alan was their very last resort. (laughs) 
Another comment while I'm here. Why are there not more female Partridge superfans? I don't think I've ever met another woman who knows more about Alan than I do or loves him quite as much. Discuss. Thank you, Sarah, for sending that in. Now, um, I think her views on, on, on the couple of episodes so far are pretty much in line with what we've been thinking. Um, any thoughts on Sarah's message at all from you guys? Uh, certainly that she's thrown the gauntlet down for female Partridge superfans to get in touch. Um, we certainly like to redress the gender balance, uh, if only for uh, a broader range of advertisers to uh, advertise on the podcast. <laughs> so uh, please, please, please do uh, please do get in touch if you're a female uh, female appreciator of Partridge uh, and uh, let us know your favourite bits, favourite episodes and so forth. We have had previously as a guest on an episode of uh, Monkey Tennis, um, the creator, uh, writer, I don't know, not sure how to describe her really, uh, Hannah, who runs the blog Love in the Key of Partridge. Tom, you interviewed uh, Hannah, didn't you? Yeah, so uh, maybe, I'm pretty sure she's a listener, so maybe she'll get in touch with some viewpoints next week. And I know she is a super fan. I saw her on Saturday and we just shouted uh, TT Wap quotes at each other from episode there we one. Go. Yeah. There we go. Uh, and finally, Jamie from Southend, uh, we just wanted to uh, congratulate you on the birth of your daughter. Always good to have a new fop on board, um, although we are sorry to hear her birth made you 14 minutes late to watch the latest episode. Um, you did send us a voice <laughs> note, but it was a bit too long, so we're just throwing out a collective congratulations on the birth of your new daughter from everyone here at Monkey Tennis. So we move on to episode two feedback, the most recent episode of this time. Uh, Jamie Lynch got in touch to say, when they begin their chat with Sam on the sofa, he says he's always had a passion for history and Alan interrupts with me too. This is obviously functional for Alan being self-obsessed, but I also wonder whether it's some craftily clever, clever writing by the Gibbons boys as a means of foreshadowing the sinister turn the conversation would take. I mean... That's a lot to throw in, and normally I would dismiss that, but we do know there are some other mentions earlier about all the people John's touched and things like that, so it's entirely possible that that is an intentional me too, uh, and not just Alan saying, yep, me as well. Um, Neil the band got in touch again, say, uh, Dan Snow, BBC presenter, presents history programmes for the BBC, has a history slot on the one show, and his father is BBC presenter Peter Snow. Sam Chatwin, the BBC presenter, guest presenter on This Time, uh, and his dad was the head of factual programmes at the BBC. Just saying. I mean, nice. it, it, could, be a, it yeah. could be a coincidence, but there's certainly there's a handful of parallels there, aren't there? Yeah. I, I think he's hit the nail on the head there, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Kettle says, uh, nepotism at the BBC. My guest Sam Chatwin, the historian, was based on Dan Snow. There we go. More uh, weight behind that theory. Uh, Matt Andrews got in touch uh, saying, shit, does Lynn live with Alan on, <laughs> on the basis of some comments that she made? But I think we've established that uh, they were misinterpreted. We've discussed it and we've said no. <laughs> uh, and Freya on Twitter, uh, backing up my comments from episode one and two, saying there's a distinct Lady Macbeth vibe for Lynn on uh, T2WAP tonight, which we obviously agree with. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns. Yeah. And then just a bit of an overall recap for the kind of response we've had on social media for episode two. It, it does feel like it's been a lot more positive. So we'll just uh, rifle through these. Uh, Will G on Twitter says, actually starting to think it's actual genius. The subtle camera cuts, the one-liners, the roving report bits. It's like all the best bits of I'm Alan Partridge, mid-morning matters and scissor dial with a sprinkling of the day-to-day. Just so good. Uh, <laughs> Don't need to measure that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike Clarkson said, couldn't stop laughing at the bloke falling off off the seating at the back i had to rewind to check i'd seen what i thought i had ollie bishop says partridge perfection roy from bungie says that flipping episode <laughs> classic partridge hashtag john gone uh, louise ferndale says i nearly soiled myself classic partridge uh, uh steady eddie on twitter said i hope they keep the studio audience in it offers a selection box of awkward moments the tweets are comedy gold and nice easter eggs to spot hashtag alan partridge hashtag john gone And finally, a message from Drew that we received on WhatsApp, uh, which I think kind of encapsulates exactly what we were saying in our episode review. Uh, he says, I was feeling a little underwhelmed towards the end, then the twist came and I was literally pulled to the edge of my seat as Alan turned the tables. Script writing from classic theatre, one character steals the power away from another, merged with the perfectly pitched Me Too tone of the modern day. Question to the group, in the 20 plus years of watching Alan, is this the first time we have ever seen him finish a single episode on top? If it was, it was truly worth waiting for. What a brilliant moment to finally give Alan his win and secure his place on the show for the remainder of the series. Uh, so I think that's something that we should uh, discuss over the coming weeks. Uh, he also predicts, as we did uh, in our episode review, that garbled Chinese references will be the billoddy hallmark of this time, series one. Uh, and he also has a theory which we touched upon. Is there any chance that Ted from The Grieving Audience is Michael's brother, the one whom Michael's former wife shacked up with in Sunderland when she did not like the culture of Newcastle? So there's quite a few theories and questions going on there. Uh, I was just having a think as you were reading that out, um, sort of moments where Alan ends up on top. What about the episode where he is uh, chatting to Dave Clifton um, about the kind of drink drive um, incident and he is the guest that Dave fails to control and um, outs <laughs> outsmarts him. Yeah. Does that count as an episode where Alan comes out on top? I think I think there are definitely points in throughout the Alan uh, sort of history where he has moments where he's come out on top. Mm. There are very few times that I can remember where he ends an episode on top. It's always kind of because yeah. I know Coogan. We've mentioned this in a pod before, but Coogan has said in interviews that he likes comedy that ends on a note of sort of 
a, a downward note on a on a downer note sort of thing. Um, so there are very few times where Alan finishes on top. I know we'll probably get a load of corrections coming in saying, "What about this time?" But um, <laughs> no, I think <laughs> like I mean, like I mean, he has his moments, but I don't think there are many episodes where he finishes an episode on top. Um, there's also times where, yeah, like you say, he has moments on top, or he perhaps has a sort of he's 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 a bigger smart ass than someone else. But I think this is the first time. Not only has he got the moral high ground, but he's not just got it over one person. He's got it over a studio full of people who've basically all been sycophants for John for the last half an hour. Uh, mm. And Alan is the only person. Well, I mean, he's he has been a little bit as well, but he's uh, he's he's got the moral high ground over a group of people uh, and That's all kinds of it's... different people. It's the power switch, isn't it, which makes this quite different from what we've normally seen. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that Alan is walking out of that studio with his chest puffed up like an owl. <laughs> he gets straight in the car. He whacks on cuddly toy and drives home singing every single word, absolutely loving yeah. it. And on that beautiful image, that brings us to the end of this mini feedback episode. Do join us next Wednesday when we'll be reviewing episode three of this time. Uh, get in touch with us at Monkey Tennis Pod on Instagram, at The Partridge Pod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod, The Partridge Pod at gmail.com, and the Monkey Tennis Hotline is 07923 600 So thanks so much for listening. Uh, please do uh, subscribe if you can and make sure you get every episode. Drop us a review on iTunes. It puts us higher in the charts and then more people find us and the whole circle of life repeats itself again uh, from all of us at monkey <laughs> tennis the anna partridge fan podcast thanks and goodbye 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 Aha! damn back of the net monkey tennis in no way you big spastic you're a mentalist damn well, that was the noise monkey tennis i got uh, really drunk last night Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism. More distance between the eggs and the bean. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're unpacking. Basically, beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Uh, can I have a glass of water, please?